Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Then, being after Jesus was baptized, that we have in the latter part of chapter 3, when Jesus went to be baptized, and, and then he was led up of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The word there, devil, is an interesting word. It's a translation of the word diabolos. And diabolos is a Greek word that means to slander, to cast accusations, to falsely accuse. And that's who the devil is. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's a liar. And uh, you may think he doesn't lie today, but he's always lying to us, mistwisting the truth and convincing us of lies. So Jesus is the very opposite. He is the truth. And so Jesus was led of the spirit of the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, this is what the tempter said, the liar, the slanderer, the false accuser, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Keep in mind, Jesus hadn't eaten anything for 40 days. And, uh, you know, you may not be a bread eater, but I'm sure at that point bread sounded pretty good. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, bread, bread is really a staple in many cultures. And uh, I can remember when we first visited places like uh, Moldova and Lithuania. These were part of the Soviet Union. And when they, the Soviet Union broke up and they were individual nations... That you would see long lines of people early in the morning, the bread lines, just waiting to get a loaf of bread because bread is a staple. And, uh, and here Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament, and we'll look at it a little bit later. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And even in the Old Testament, it said this, and Jesus repeats it, that there's something that's more vital than bread that sustains us. And what is that? But man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This to me is one of the most amazing statements in the Bible. And we're going to look at that tonight, particularly in light of our theme for this year, charting our course. And charting our course means that we're following directions. And where, where is it that we should turn for direction? For our family? To get our own personal life in order? To direct our ministry? Where should we look? Where can we get directions? And the answer is obvious. We ought to get them from the Word of God. And so I want to speak on that subject, following directions, based on this passage right here tonight. Let's pray. Father, please bless tonight again as we study your word. We thank you for the Bible. I I just thank you particularly for this passage that's before us. 
what a challenge it is, how, what, a, what an insightful truth it is. And Father, we pray that we might take it seriously, that we might follow, follow it practically, and that we might prove it in our own experience. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're not going to spend a lot of time looking at the temptations of Jesus. Obviously, this is one of the places this major time of temptation is recorded. But there are a lot of lessons to be found, not only in this first temptation, but all the temptations. And, and just a couple of things I want to mention. Number one, I mentioned earlier that this, this event came right on the heels of Jesus' baptism, his, the, his being identified by voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But let me just tell you, that's, one, that's something about temptations. They often come on the heels of some act of obedience, some, some mountaintop experience, if you would. It's very common in the scripture, very common in our life. The second thing that's very common in this is the tempter came with questions. If thou be the son of God. You know, that's the way the devil does. He questions. He questions God. He questions the Word of God. He questions the faithfulness of God. He's a liar and the father of all lies. That's the way the devil works. Temptations are often designed to capitalize on a particular area where we are vulnerable. Jesus had, was hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days. Satan came to him with a temptation that he might eat. And to eat would have been very desirable. But we also see that every time a temptation came, that Jesus met it with a corresponding truth. No, I'm not going to eat this bread. I'm not going to make these stones to be bread. Because it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I won't develop this tonight, but this verse teaches us something about inspiration. Where did the scripture come from? It was, it was given by God. What, what, did Jesus, what is Jesus referring to when he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Where, where is every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God to be found? It's found in the scripture. It talks about inspiration. It came from God. It also talks about preservation. We don't have a Bible just of ideas. We have a Bible where every word can be trusted. Aren't you glad about that? It's about God not only gave His Word, but God has preserved His Word. Now, to me, this is a very interesting concept. Hope you'll think with me tonight about it. And think about it in your own life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. There are a lot of things that come to my mind when I say that. For instance, people take the position sometimes that some things in the Bible are not important. They're unimportant. They're non-essentials. But the Bible says every word that proceeded from the mouth of God matters. It's a very simple scripture, but I think it's a very profound scripture. And I think a very practical scripture. We're to live by the Word of God. This is the concept I want us to think about tonight. Living by the Word of God. Now, Jesus used this as a contrast to the, to the idea of needing bread. And man needs physical nourishment. We need that. 
Um, but, but Jesus was letting us know that just as physical bread sustains us and satisfies us, God's Word does the same thing. No wonder people who don't take the Bible seriously are spiritually famished or malnourished because it's the Word of God that feeds us. It's the Word of God that strengthens us. God's Word is to be for us, what, for our soul what bread is for our body. So we're to live by the Word of God. We're not to live by our opinions. We're not to live by our felt needs. We're not to live by what is popular. We're not to live by our emotions. We're not to live by our personal preferences. We're certainly not to live by cultural fads. We're to live by the Word of God. So what does that mean? What does it mean to live by the Word of God. Well, it means more than just owning a Bible, right? It means more than just carrying a Bible. It even means more than just memorizing Scripture. It means more than just believing that the Bible is true. It's living by the Word of God. Now, let's, let's, let's look at it like this. Many children know that the Bible says, children, obey your parents. In the Lord. But because a child knows the Bible says obey your parents, does not mean they're living by that word. Would you agree with that? It's one thing to know it, it's another thing to live it, to believe it. And so we're to live by the word of God. The Bible is our teacher, the Bible is our comforter, our consoler, the Bible is our counselor. And it means that this means that we're to seek to live our lives according to the Word of God. Now, a lot of people in this room know that, believe that, and take that very seriously. And by the way, none of us do it perfectly. I'm assuming that. In other words, we find ourselves at times where we're thinking something, saying something, doing something that's not in line with the Word of God, but our goal is to live by the Word of God. That's the way our goal should be. That would include our devotional lives. That would include our family responsibilities. That would include our occupational lives, where we work. That would include our leisure lives, how we spend our spare time. We're to look at the Word of God as the guide for life. We're to look at the Word of God as a roadmap, as an instruction manual. And it's, a lot, it's, it's meaningful because it really will change our lives. It gives us purpose and perspective and direction. But there's another interesting thing about it, and I hope you'll listen to this. This, this verse many, many years ago just really kind of shook me. Where it says, where Jesus said this in the Gospel of John, the word that I've spoken, think about this, Jesus said this, the word that I've spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day. See, we're going to be judged according to the Bible. The Bible that people take lightly, the Bible that people just sort of shrug off, the Bible that people treat like it's optional, that Bible, those words are going to judge us one of these days. That's what Jesus said. So I think it's very serious. So let's think about this theme, though. Let's think about our theme for the year. Charting our course. Imagining that we have a place that we believe God wants us to be, a direction we're going for ourselves, for our families, for our ministries individually, for our ministry as a whole, 
We're going to chart our course. To chart your course means you map it out. You map it out. And you decide, how am I going to get from here to there? And where do we look for directions? Where, how do we follow the directions? And I just I want to get this down really practical tonight. We look to the Word of God. Now I'm going to mark my place here in Mark chapter, or Matthew chapter 4. But go with me, if you would, please, to the book of Deuteronomy. Because Deuteronomy chapter 8 is the reference that Jesus quoted. When Jesus said in Matthew 4, it is written. By the way, Jesus did that often. And the Apostle Paul did that often. And Peter did that often. They referred to the Old Testament. I'm more than a little irritated when people today act like the Old Testament doesn't matter. Like somehow we've graduated from that. Jesus used it. The Apostle Paul used it. I think it would do us well to use it. So he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, let's look in verse 3. Moses said, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. Talking to the people of Israel, he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. They were hungry, he fed them with manna. Neither did thy fathers know anything about manna, that he might make thee know. That man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord shall, or does man live, doth man live. So Jesus quoted this passage, and those people, no doubt, many of them were familiar with this passage. It is written, and Moses said that God intends for you, Israel, to live by the word of God. By the way, many of them took that seriously, memorizing large portions of the Bible. But Jesus used the same verse to talk to people in his day. That people are to live by the word of God. And by the way, in the context of Deuteronomy chapter 8, he's talking about God providing manna for them. It's interesting, he says, God allowed you to go hungry that he might feed you with manna. God allowed you to suffer hunger that he might feed you. And And I hope you know the story about the manna. I mean, God fed them every day. Every day they were to go out. And God said, if you get more than enough, then one day it's going to spoil. Right? And they tried it. People do that. They just want to test and try God. Will it really do what God said it will do? And it would spoil. Except on Friday, they would gather enough for Friday and Saturday because they weren't to go out on the Sabbath day. On that day, it would not spoil. Isn't that amazing how that happened? By the way, do you believe that happened? And what was God teaching them? God was teaching them to trust Him. God was teaching them to obey Him. To make Him their source. And it worked. Not for just a handful of people, but for millions of people. It worked. He was teaching them the importance of depending upon the Lord. But look here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, and let's just broaden the context just a little bit. Let's begin in verse 1. Moses is encouraging them and reviewing God's commands to them. And he says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land 
which the Lord sware unto your fathers. Now let's just think about that for just a moment. Which commandments were they to obey? All of them. Right? All of them. And what would be the result? He says that you may live. Moses said, for you to experience the life that God wants you to live, it requires you to obey what God says. Right? And then he goes on to say that you may inherit or possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. What, what was necessary, what would be required for Israel to possess the land? It wasn't that they have a greater wisdom or greater weaponry. Here was the, this was the commandment. This was the condition. If you're going to win, this is the condition, you have to obey me. Pretty simple, isn't it? And yet they continually had a problem with that. Not obeying him. And by the way, let's be honest. Sometimes we have the same kind of problem. But there is a direct connection in our life between our obedience and God's blessing. And so they would obey all the commandments that they might live. And then he says in verse 2, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Whether you keep his commandments or not. And in verse 3, just to repeat it again, he said that he may make you know, I'm at the end of the verse, that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Now this was the passage that Jesus quoted from in, in, in giving an answer to the devil when he tempted him. He says, we're to live not by bread. We're not to live by bread. And by the way, what a generation we live in, what a culture we live in that would be, I believe, described in Paul's words, whose God is their belly. They live for their flesh. They live to eat. They can never be satisfied, never enough. And Jesus, Jesus said, man, you're not to live by bread alone, but you're to live by the word of God. Now, when I think about this theme, charting our course, there's only one reliable place. If a person, let's just say hypothetically, that a person would be caught today in this mindset, I've got to do something about where I am in my family. Or I've got to do something about my financial situation. Or I've got, a, I've got an emotional state, I'm in an emotional place that I've got to, that I've got to, I've got, I want to get to a better place. How am I going to get there? Well, you, here's what people, they rely on circumstances to change, or they depend on people to change, but there's a better way, and that is to, to counsel, get counsel from the Word of God. How can I get, how, what God, does God say about this? How can I get from where I am to where I want to be? And follow God's directions. Following directions. You know, I, I've discovered this through life, that some people are very good at giving directions. And some people are notorious for giving horrible directions. How many of you have ever met anybody like that? I mean, they know exactly how to get there, but when they tell you how to get there, you're clueless. Thank God for navigation on our phone, right? 
We're to follow directions. We're to just do as we're told. And God's directions can be followed. I read a story a long, long time ago about a, a golfer. And this kind of dates him. He, was, he won the U.S. Open about the same year that I was born. His name was Tommy Bolt. But Tommy Bolt had a reputation of having a temper, unlike anybody that I've ever known. One time, I'll give you an example. One time he was playing in what was then called the National Open. And he was on the 18th hole, and he hit a ball into the water, and then he hit a second ball into the water, and then he threw his club into the water and walked off the course. I've seen, by the way, I've seen people throw their golf clubs into the water. It doesn't help their score at all. So you know something about this man and his, his reputation and his disposition. So he was playing in this tournament, and uh, he had a caddy. Do you know what a caddy is? Everybody know what a caddy is? It's someone, who carries, it's someone who carries your bags and gives you counsel. And by the way, they give a lot of good advice. Um, but one thing about golf etiquette is you don't talk, right? You don't talk at the wrong time. And so this golfer, this Tommy Bolt, he told this caddy before they ever started uh, because he heard this caddy had a reputation of talking a lot. And he said this, before we ever begin, don't say a word to me unless I ask you. And when I ask you, you can give me one or two answers, yes or no. But don't say anything else. Those were his directions. And so he did it. Well, during the round, Bolt, talking about following directions, Bolt hit his ball and it kind of came close to a tree and it was going to be a difficult shot. He was going to have to hit, actually hit the ball. Some of you have been there. Hit the ball, taking off under the limbs of the tree. And then carry over this little lake. And then there would be the green. And a great shot mean was he'd go out there and he'd hit the green. So he asked his caddy, here's the question. What do you think? A five iron? And the caddy said no. And he got irritated with him. He says, what do you mean? Why, why wouldn't I use a fire iron? Five iron, and he says, uh, you watch. I'm gonna, he took a five iron, he's going to hit it. And the caddy looked at him in the eyes and said, no. And so Bolt, being the kind of man he was, he went ahead and hit the ball. And he hit a great shot, went under the tree limbs and over the water and on the green and near the cup. And so he turned to this caddy and he handed him the five iron. He said, now what do you think about that? You can talk now. And he said, Mr. Bolt, that wasn't your ball. <laughs> You know, all the guy was doing was following directions, right? All you can say is yes, all you can say is no. And what God wants us to do is just follow directions. Just do what God says. Not question it. Not analyze it. Not try to figure out why it won't work. Just do it. You know, we want our children to do that. Every parent would like for their children to immediately, with, and accurately, and with a good attitude, do exactly what we say. Wouldn't we like that? And yet sometimes we don't model that. Because when God says to do something, we, we think of some other way. We think of a reason why it wouldn't work. We think of a reason why today's not a good day. 
And the honest truth is, according to the Bible, according to what Jesus said in Matthew 4, quoting from Deuteronomy 8, what God wants us to do is just to obey Him, just to live by the Word of God. Um, Charting our course requires living by God's Word. I want to give you tonight from the history of our church just four simple illustrations of this. How God has directed our church because we just did what He said. The first one would predate almost everybody in this room. Uh, I became the pastor in 1981. When I became the pastor, Brother Murray had been the pastor for four years, and there was a significant group of people in the church at that time who were um, dabbling with charismatic doctrine uh, and meeting together and speaking in tongues in their homes. I mean, this was a Southern Baptist church when I became the pastor. That was a part of, it was a small part, but it was a a part, enough of a part. And I was, you know, I, I was 27 years old. That doesn't mean I was super young, but I wasn't really all that old either. Many people in the church were older than I, and I was pretty much a novice, really. And so, based on what I believe is sound doctrine, I went to the person who was the leader, called him into my office. At that time, my office was in the basement of what became my house that sat out right out here, the Pastor Murray's office was down in the basement. I called this person in, and I, and I told him just very um, politely but directly, this is going to be a Baptist church. Now, I wasn't a strong Baptist myself then, but I said, this is going to be a Baptist church, and it's not going to be anything but a Baptist church. And we lost several families over that. But that, I felt good about it. Not good about leaving people, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. You know what I'm saying? You make decisions based on the truth. And so, that was 1981. The very next year, 1982, many of you have heard this story. I, um, I was reading the scripture one day and, uh, in my morning devotions. And I read a verse of scripture that greatly impacted my life. It was Proverbs 19:27. Cease, my son, to hear instruction that causes thee to err from the words of knowledge. Very simple verse. Now, you got to understand, back then, there wasn't a single person in our church who sent their children to a Christian school. There, not, there wasn't a person in our church who'd ever been to a Christian school. There was not a person in our church who'd ever homeschooled. We're talking about, you know, 1982, right? Long time ago. But I knew from the Word of God that I was not to send my children to a school where they were going to be instructed in a way that would cause them to err from the words of knowledge. Cease, my son, to hear instruction that caused thee to err from the words of knowledge. Wasn't, that wasn't complicated to me. It was, it was clear. It was a clear thing. So I began to talk to the church about it, and that next year in the fall of 1982, we opened our doors for the Christian school. And why? Why did we do that? Please don't. Why did we do it? Because the Word of God. Because the Bible. By the way, I've never, ever revisited that decision. I've never questioned that decision. Not one time. You know why? Because we did it based on the Word of God. People make decisions based on popularity or preference or circumstances. God wants us to live by the Word of God. Not long after that. 
And, and again, this will be hard for some of you to relate to. But I was saved in a Southern Baptist church. And the only, only Bible I'd ever heard used in sermons was the King James Bible. But there was no strong defense of the King James position. And matter of fact, my pastor, and I, he was a great preacher. I mean, an outstanding preacher. Uh, he would refer to other translations and stuff. And so he was, you know, so I was a king. I preached from the King James, but I'd do the same thing. Some people might even remember that. I'd say, but the, this translation says this or that. But I decided as a pastor, I need to sort this out. So I spent a great deal of time studying this issue. And the translation issue, why we have the Bible, why we use the Bible we use. And it became very clear to me that there was a reason why all these other modern versions left verses out. You know, and the reason why is because they were based on faulty manuscripts. They were based on manuscripts that the King James translators considered to be not reliable. And, and by the way, you know one of the verses that that really set me on this pursuit is Matthew 4.4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. This is, if the Bible is true, if the Bible is true, then Jesus said there is a Bible that you can depend on every word to be the very word of God. And I wanted to know what that Bible is. And so I led, that, I led our church to understand the reason why. By the way, every one of the things I'm saying to you are based on the Word of God. And I know people personally that once believed every one of the things I'm saying to you who no longer believe that. But they don't, they don't disbelieve it because of the Bible. They disbelieve it for other reasons, but not because of the Word of God. So a few years later, um, I'm, this is the fourth one, last one. A few years later, I began to share with our church my concern about our association with the Southern Baptist Convention. We were a Southern Baptist church. This was 1985, 1986, and uh, I'd been pastor for a few years, and as a pastor, I was very troubled for a lot of reasons. I'll just give you a couple of them. I was troubled that we would take our money, our tithes, and we'd give it to a, a convention and help pay the salaries of Bible college professors who did not even believe the Bible, who doubted the Word of God. Does that make sense to you? I was very troubled. And at that time, they were ordaining women into the ministry. I knew that was not scriptural. And by the way, the, the problems in the Southern Baptist Convention have not gone away. Would I, give my, would I give our money, would I take God's money and give that money to support a person who is an avowed Calvinist? I believe, that, I believe Calvinism is such a destructive doctrine. Why would I use God's money to do that? And so after deliberating and praying and studying, and this is not an exaggeration, I could take it to you right now. I have a file about that thick of just documented cases and I went to our church and I said, how can we keep doing this? And the church decided. We, we, we're, not gonna, we're no longer going to be associated with the Southern Baptist Convention. We're going to become an independent Baptist church. Now, why do we do that? We did it based on the Bible. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. The Bible says that. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And I, I say this again, not to, be, not to try to sound spiritual, but I've never, re, never once, not for 30 seconds, in all of these years, if I've revisited these decisions. You know why? Because they were made based on the Word of God. God's Word hasn't changed. When a person begins to drift away from the, from the Word of God, from the principles of the Word of God, they can never say, the Bible commanded me to make these decisions to drift away. They can never say that. They may say, my friends have changed. They may say, I'm upset with somebody else. Because they can never say that God led me to disobey the Word of God. God never leads anybody to disobey the Word of God. So, we're to live by the Word of God. Not by what we feel like. Not by what the culture says. We're to live by the Word of God. I want to I give you a few things, just statements, that I believe are guidelines for how we might live by the Word of God. The first one is, we have to know the Bible. It's our responsibility to ingest the Word of God. Just like we eat food. Man shall not live by bread alone. Just like we eat food, we're to partake of the Scriptures. We have to read it. We have to listen to it. We have to learn it. We have to understand it. Seek to understand it. We must know the Bible. Second of all, we must respect the authority of the Word of God. The Bible's not multiple choice. Yeah, really it is. It says this. It says this. That you can... Choose to obey God and be blessed, or you can choose to disobey God. But it's not like A, B, C, or D, or all of the above. The Bible's not, listen, whatever you've been taught, the Bible does not lay out options and, and just suggestions. for No, the Bible gives us commands to obey. By the way, there, that's, there's a very... Valid advantage to a child being raised in a family where they're taught to obey. If we don't teach our children to obey us, what makes us think they're going to obey God? And there's, a, and there's also a distinct advantage in many cases for a person who's had a little time in the military because they learn to obey. Not to question, not to analyze just to obey. So, we need to respect the authority of the Word of God. It's not man's book. This is not man's book. This is God's book. And God only has one book. This is His book. We say this, we ought to live it. It's the final authority for our faith and practice. What does the Bible say? So we need to respect the Bible. We need to know the Bible. Thirdly, we need to believe the Bible. It's one thing to read the Bible. It's another thing to believe the Bible. I love what it says in Hebrews 4. They mixed faith with the Word of God. God said it. They believed it. We need to believe the Bible. Fourthly, we need to engraft it into our lives. James says, Receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save your soul. 
Engrafted means it becomes, it becomes a part of you. Like a skin graft. It becomes a part of you. It becomes functionally fastened to you. It becomes attached to you. When something is grafted in, it is a part of the thing that it's grafted to. The Bible should not just be a book that we carry in our hand. It ought to be a book that we have in our heart. That we've engrafted it into our lives. It's a part of our life. It can change our thinking. It can influence our thinking in a positive way. It becomes a part of the way we think, a guide for our decisions. We hide it in its heart. We're to engraft it. So we're to know it. We're to respect it. We're to believe it. We're to engraft it. And next, we're to apply it to our lives personally. Personally. That's what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus took a passage, rightfully so, from the Old Testament and applied it to a moment of temptation where he was being tempted to turn stones into bread and he applied it to that temptation. We're to personalize it. We're to make it a part of our life. If God says, for instance, in 1 John 1, 9, that we're to confess our sins, we're to confess our sins to God. God said, do it. If God says we're to love our enemies, then we take that personally. If God says that we're to obey them that have the rule over us, we take that personally. That's not an option. It's a command from God. We have to personally. Many people hear sermons and do nothing with it. They hear the sermon, they walk away, they don't take it seriously, and they consider themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. That is not a follower of Jesus Christ. We're to apply the Word of God personally. If the Bible says, seek Him daily, then seek Him daily. If the Bible says, seek Him early, then seek Him early. We're to live by every word. It's not complicated. It's not really complicated. It goes against our flesh. It demands things of us, but it's not complicated. We're to apply the Word of God personally. Six, and finally, we choose... To obey, we have to choose to obey God's word. Obedience is a choice. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's an act of the will. This is why we do what we do. Whatever it is, we do it because we believe the Bible teaches that. We, not because of tradition, not because of habit. By the way, traditions are good and habits are not wrong if they're good habits. But, but it's better to say we do it because the word of God, this is what the Bible teaches. This is why we don't go there. This is why we don't talk like that. This is why we are faithful to the house of God. Because God said to do it. We don't have to revisit that every week or two, every month or two, and and question, is it really right? No, if God said it. You know, Mary gave some outstanding advice at the marriage at Cana when they asked they asked for wine. There's, there was a crisis. And, and this is what she said. Whatever he says to do, do it. Just do it. Isn't that simple? Whatever he says, just do it. I don't always read our daily devotions. I've read them a lot of times. They're still good. I just don't always read them every day. 
Can I read today's to you? Just take a couple of minutes. Here's the verse. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Continue. That means keep doing it. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Here's the elaboration upon that. Timothy had been blessed with a godly grandmother and mother who taught him the word of God. The truths he began learning as a child eventually brought Timothy to the place of salvation through faith which is in Christ. In his final epistle, Paul's plea for Timothy was to continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. The aging apostle warned his spiritual son about the ever-present danger of diverting from the narrow road of obedience and commitment to the Scripture. This advice to Timothy is just as timely for us today. We too must continue in the Bible-based path that we've been shown. To do so requires a commitment to the principles and commands of the Word of God. Temptations to compromise are real and often very subtle. Our commitment to stay the course needs to be stronger than the temptations to quit. If ever there was a day when people are drifting from the Word of God that they once believed and practiced, we are living in that day. Times change, but truth never changes. We do not need something new, but a renewed resolve to live by the precepts of the Holy Scripture. The enemy of men's souls remains relentless. The first recorded temptation of man in the Garden of Eden included an assault on God's Word. Satan has continued to use every imaginable means to cast doubt on the Scripture and to lure souls away from their commitment to the absolute authority of God's unchanging truth. When a person begins to minimize the importance of obedience or compromise in their commitment to the Holy Scriptures, he is on his way to serious spiritual problems. False prophets are very effective in presenting partial truths or twisting the Word of God. Today's host of modern translations is another evidence of Satan's attacks on the Bible. Paul spoke directly to Timothy about his enduring commitment to continue doing what he'd been taught to do. Let's take Paul's admonition to heart and remain steadfastly committed to the teachings of the Word of God. So if we're going to chart our course, what do we use? We use our feelings. We use our preferences. Do we use what other people are doing? Do we use what's popular? You know, it's a critical thing for people who are taking a, a flight, taking a voyage, to map out their course. And here's the map. It's the Word of God. Whether it's an individual, I promise you, I promise you, 
Anybody that would have the, the fortitude, the guts to say, I know I'm not in a good place. I see a place that would be better for me to be. If they will, if they will be honest and sincere and let God, He will show them how to get where they need to be. Now, if you want to make excuses for where you are, if you just want to stay where you are and blame it on somebody else, you can. But if you want to go forward spiritually in this life, if you want to take your family forward, if you want to, if you want to go forward in your relationship to God, in your relationship with the Word of God, God will help you. God will show you how to go forward. And God may use somebody else to help you if you'll let them. So, we could sit down and say, okay, I want to be at a better place, and I'd kind of like to do this, and I'd kind of like to do that. And you know what? Maybe that'll work, maybe it won't. But I'll tell you a better way is that looking at the Word of God and say, God, what did you want for us? What did you want for my family? What do you want for my life? And follow the directions. Amen? Just follow the directions. And by the way, that's how you people get saved. That's how people get saved. By taking the Word of God seriously and coming to Jesus Christ with repentance and faith and trust Him and Him only. And you know what? It changes their life. Amen.